Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Chris Prunty. On today's episode, we have a listener prompt from our patron, Jay, and that prompt sounds a little bit like this. It's real short and sweet. Got a new prompt for you. In honor of the release of Animon Story, I'd love to see you tackle the kids and pet monsters genre. Land of a Thousand Friendships, here we come. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Animon Story is, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes so you can go ahead and check that out. It is an indie RPG that is heavily inspired by uh, Pokemon and Digimon and that kind of subgenre of uh anime slash cartoon i guess that's pretty prominent now i have taken a look at it it looks very cute it looks very fun and i probably would want to run something like that at some point uh but that is the prompt that we're doing today and man i am actually very excited to do something like this and before we get into the tenets i am going to give myself an extra tenet for the two of you because God damn it, Daniel, I can hear your cantankerous old man, like contrariness from here in the <laughs> setting. The first tenant that we're going to get at is I'm keeping this setting lighthearted and fun. It will be PG at most. And I think that will be a fun little uh, challenge for ourselves. So with that out of the way, who would like to go first with the first tenant of this world? I can go first. So originally I was going to have it be that the uh, pets, Digimon, creatures, or spirits that they're bounded with is actually demons. And that makes it very hard for it to be kind of PG. Uh, I, I know you can easily do that, but I think if instead of it being demons, if you make it uh, more celestial or outsider, if you will, you don't know what they are, so it can be good. They can be bad. They are just mm. something from a different plane of existence. Well, that's that's actually kind of interesting. But but let's start with that, right? Where they're demons. Now, you think that that is actually, you know, uh, pretty hard to reconcile with a PG setting. I completely disagree. I think that depictions of demons and depictions of what we might consider outsiders or demons varies very... I mean, like, there is an entire show called yokai watch which is all about like possessed you know like spirits who possess people and it's like very cutesy and fun so i don't think that we i i think that it might be a little challenging but realistically i don't see why we can't have pazuzu and baphomet as like chibi little pazuzu. characters in, in this type of world Demons, uh, like in other cultures, demons aren't always necessarily evil, so... True, and I, and I wanted to play on that angelic or demonic with good and evil, but more of the nebulous sense. So, that, I mean, that, that works out. And also, let's, let's also remember that, like, uh, King Solomon from the Bible was also a pretty prolific demon binder, you know? So that yeah. type of thing we can keep in mind as well. I mean, we can, we can easily keep this PG... And that actually kind of ties in with, or, or your idea of like demonic, angelic, etc., kind of works with one of my tenets, which is I wanted to have a system that was like a rock, paper, scissors system, kind of like how it, there's typing in Pokemon where it's like, oh, fire beats grass, beats water, beats fire, etc. 
but I didn't want to have it be elemental based. So if we could have it be angelic, demonic, and then like third, fourth, and fifth one, I think that'd be kind of a fun like power triangle that we can kind of deal with as well. It could have something to do with um, celestial spheres or something like levels of, of like I'm thinking of like the various proto oh, like Judaist, a um what's it called? The, 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 the cross-shaped Onk. thing. Kind of, I forgot the name of it. Uh, not you, you're both naming things that are close. It's like um, a trio. It's a symbol of the tree of life, I think, and it has multiple. Um, and we're being exposed live on air right now as frauds. Like we have no idea what you're talking about, Daniel. You mean the druid thing, tree of life kind of thing, or more of like the Nordic tree of life? I know the Nordic tree of life. That's that's Yggdrasil. Yeah, like that one's easy. Oh, it's it's the Kabbalah. But I mean, like that one has supposedly the points on the Kabbalah and I don't know anything about it. But my understanding is that there's different spheres of some sort that have different levels of access or power. And so that might be a way of differentiating your um, rock, paper, scissors. Sure. I mean, like we could do like harmonic or celestial spheres and all sorts of fun, like fun little stuff like that. Honestly, that's just something that I want to keep in mind where we have like types of these monsters in mind as we as we kind of create them and kind of keep them in in check like basically broad categorizations of some of these things i think is would be fairly important you know so daniel you haven't offered a tenant yet let's let's hear what you have to say i'm I'm actually very curious because like chris and i are like pretty big fans of the genre i know chris in particular loves stuff like fighting foodons and zatch bell no one understands <laughs> Zatch Bell, but man, I love that show. Z- Zatch Bell's okay. I remember it being kind it of was weird. Stupid, and like and me, I loved it. it. It was stupid. I do remember that. And like me, I know I've dumped like hundreds and hundreds of hours into the old Monster Rancher games, and I to this day still think that Digimon as a franchise is overall better, despite probably putting more time into Pokemon. But it's like you know, like that whole subgenre is is pretty fun. And there's way more than the ones that we're just talking about here. I mean, there's way dumber ones like Zatch Bell, like mm. Chris said. And that one with the robots. But Daniel, I feel like you hate everything that we're talking about right now. So I'm actually really curious as to what your tenet is. Um, it is true that I have absolutely zero interest in Pokemon-esque <laughs> um, capitalist uh, pet collecting games. But... Um, I do have an interest in uh, not slice of life stuff, but this utopian esque kind of genre. We do, I remember we did the solar punk one, and I, I like that one. Um, and that's because I have an interest in science fiction. But uh, one of the tenets I have, um, and, and they're not, I guess neither of them are really anti PG in any way, but I was thinking, <laughs> and this ties in with what Chris was, was talking about, is that uh, the afterlife in this setting is a place deeply connected to these monsters um, which is equivalent to what Chris was saying if, if the outsiders are part of the afterlife and perhaps the possession of these monsters allows you to access the afterlife so let, let me let me just uh, double check here with you so you're saying that in order for these kids to have monsters they have to have near-death experiences oh I didn't say that but I like that <laughs> yeah I actually think that's kind of an interesting way that you can kind of differentiate between those who have these monsters and those who don't. That's cool. Hmm. And honestly, like having the monster that they bring back with them as like some kind of representation of their afterlife is also 
pretty damn cool. The monster comes behind. They have a near-death experience, and that's how they get the monster. It comes across the realm, and that's why it's an outsider. Are these becoming punch ghost? I mean, <laughs> no, but almost. <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in a realistic way, JoJo is essentially like a upgraded persona. You know, like the Persona series mm. is the adult version of the Pokemon, you know, subgenre. So actually, Daniel, I'm totally willing to roll with that if you are like, yeah, these, I love that. Yeah, that, that's like actually a really cool like and not only that, but man, you're probably going to have like a, a like a pretty tight knit group of kids who can all like kind of deal with their own, you mm-hmm. know, like trauma of of a near death experience, you know, or be child trauma and ways of talking through about it through the presence of this creature, you know, uh, I mean, absolutely. And not only that, but like having friends who share these experiences, like maybe it's maybe it is like Jojo's where you can you can see other people's like friend, but regular people can't, that type of thing. I have a second tenet that is kind of neither here nor there. It's very simple, Uh, but it is, I want it to be a modern day setting with sci fantasy elements playing a key role in how the monsters and whatnot work. So I think that with the, I mean, I'm cool with changing that a little bit. So I want sci-fantasy elements, but not necessarily in how the monsters work and whatnot. I'm cool with that just being like a magical thing. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I feel I was yeah. picturing kind of a modern setting, too. Um, okay, I'm, I'm kind of glad there. And Chris, you had a second tenet. What was that? I was going to have it be that the plane of existence that these monsters and also their handlers kind of interact on would be the collective dreamscape of the world. But if you wanted it to be more sci-fantasy, Inception kind of brought in weird dream-like logic. So I guess that's fine. I I don't see why those things can't. I I don't think those things uh, don't mix at all. I think that we can absolutely have your dreamscape thing along with sci-fantasy. You know, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, because that can be rationalized like the quote unquote dreamscape could be rationalized as a collective unconscious of humanity, mm-hmm. which could be a scientific con science fantasy concept, you know. Not only that, but you, what we could do is we could have the science fiction part be the collective dreamscape, right, where kids are able to access this collective dreamscape as a technology or a technology based aspect. And then from there you can have the monsters that they take back from these near-death experiences be the fantasy element where, oh, wow, how does that work? You know, how does that, you know, like no one understands how the monsters really work necessarily. I think that that's a pretty good blend of how to work those two genres together, you know? I forget, like, you could also have it be different areas would be like, different maps areas for like the Pokemon world. So you encounter different things. So you could have it be the dreamscape is one, the ego sphere might be another, uh, a collective unconsciousness of all of mankind's fears being another. Oh, for sure. I'm thinking now, right? Uh, Because I'm loving the idea uh, of what Daniel said, where, you know, like these kids basically having these monsters is sort of a way for them to kind of work through the trauma of near-death experience. And what if like the spheres that these kids are kind of exploring are and the types of monsters that they encounter are like emotion based, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So it'd be like, here is fear, anger, joy, just, you know, like look at inside out. And then you can also, there are actually really in-depth like 
emotion reels that you can look at that show like the panoply of like human emotion as we know it. And then there's also a number of great books that explore like emotions that Americans don't have like names for, right? But like Russians, for example, do where it's like Russians have a specific uh, I, 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 excuse me if I'm mis- misremembering. It's it's a specific, it's a specific emotion that is similar to like ennui, endurance, and like deep depression all at once. You know, where it's like it's a specific subset of an emotion that like we basically Wait, is that the sapoy that I told you about. Like, what is sapoy? Loosely, when someone goes into a like a drunk fugue state of several days of bin drinking. One of the classifications of getting it is you're drinking from one source that is still alcoholic, but you shouldn't like uh, vanilla extract or perfume bottles. And and that that's the thing that I saw in the classification of it that was just mind boggling. We're just like, you're doing it more than uh, twice a week, like once a week, you know, it's just perfectly fine. Don't don't get ahead of yourself. But twice a week. I, I don't that sounds like more like a Pika type thing than it does like a, an emotional state. It, you know, well, you withdraw from everyone and you literally just drink for weeks. It sounds like um, the realm of uh, the psychic realm that we were talking about is probably a realm not of collective memories or dreams, but a realm of of collective human emotion or psychic experiences. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, now we're getting into like persona territory, but I like the idea of doing a PG style uh, persona. I, I'm, I'm cool with that, you know, like revert the advancement of that particular, you know, like subgenre a little bit, which is kind of weird that we're doing it, but that's fine. Daniel, you have a, you have a second tenant, don't you? This speaks to my general critique of, of these types of pocket monster stories. But uh, my tenant is that there's two types of monsters. Um, and I don't know how we want to square this, but some monsters, most monsters are manufactured and the other half of the monsters or other portion of them are handcrafted or specific, or made um, with uniqueness or care. Well, I think that we can reconcile that pretty easily considering that we have these this group of kids who bring back their monsters with, with these experiences. So again, maybe we can have that clash of technology versus the fantastic where the kids who are normally on this dreamscape that are exploring it through this technology, they have manufactured, you know, like regular uh, monsters that they summon or, you know, have with them, you know. And meanwhile, it's kind of like having a custom avatar, you know, in in like online forums or something like that. Or back in the back in the early 2000s slash late 90s, when you would hop onto an anime forum and you would see someone who had an animated v- Vegeta gif in their like in their uh in the the bottom part of their message and you'd be like whoa how do you get that that looks dope you know like that's basically what that is that's the, like this equivalent is you like people who have the manufactured ones look at the ones that are handcrafted from their own you know near that experiences and being like oh wow Gaia online yeah, that that is what I think of when you say that. Jesus, yeah. Well, so it makes me think maybe that there's, if this is a modern day setting, maybe, so I don't know if you've ever read um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is uh, the book that Blade Runner is based on. Um, but in that, in the book, there's this thing called a mood organ 
that people interface with and it sets their moods. And so I'm wondering if this is a modern setting and like you were saying, maybe there is a commercialized way to, to access the emotion sphere psychic realm, which now is making me think it's some kind of like TikTok emotional universe that's semi-digital, but also science fantasy-esque. So maybe that's where you get the manufactured monsters uh, but like you were saying, if you have a near-death experience and you access the emotional realm like directly without that technology, that's where you get like these custom ones that are unique to your experience. Okay, Daniel, I think that I have an idea that might shake the vestiges of capitalism from you that I think that we can kind of <laughs> get behind, right? So uh -huh. why don't we make the corporation that's mass manufacturing these monsters the villain? And yeah, I think that's that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, like the, the people who are fighting them, they want to keep their cool online friends. But mm -hmm. the people who recognize like it's basically the genuine versus the inauthentic. And we can have an in, we, ha we can have an anti-capitalist message as well, where it's like, hey, they're they're trying to take down this big corporation who's mass manufacturing hopes literally hopes and dreams. Yeah, they're manufacturing false emotions in people for the sake of perpetuating whatever their schemes are, which is literally what social media does. So there you go. I mean, we can also take it to like a market perspective as oh, well. Yeah. There. Ma manufactured consent is what it is. Yeah, I think that we can really just simplify and streamline this whole process. We don't have to have them have big motivations beyond, hey, I want a billion, million, jillion dollars. And I'm mass marketing these monsters because guess what they're popular and kids like them so why not sell them to as many people as possible that does give the cartoonish feel of not like the grim dark that, that we try to move away from yeah ex i mean at least for this setting i'm sure that we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. jump right back into grim dark at some point. oh yeah i mean you know knowing us but i think that for this is as long as we simplify and streamline the process i think it'd be a fun way to do it, you know? We have these near-death experience kids. We need to give them a better name. We need to give them, like, a, a designation that makes them known as, like, the heroes of this realm. Or at least not necessarily heroes, but, like, they're the unique ones. So let's let's try and come up with, like, a name or, like, something like that. The Digi-Destined Wait. Yeah, no, yeah, I thought of that, Chris, you son of a bitch. I know. <laughs> I wanted uh, to have that alliteration though. Like not flatliners, you know, that's not what we're No, flatliners will still a little too dark. Um maybe that's not that important. Maybe we should move on to some other questions throughout Ooh, the, the dreamers. There we go. Sure. <laughs> that's a little political. Oh, uh, damn it, Daniel. Uh how about the digi dreamers? There you go. Oh god. Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. I love I can it. hear Daniel vomiting in his mouth. So I, I heard him cringe. Cool. I heard him like actively Ugh. cringe at that. So that's this whole premise makes me. I cringe. know. I love it. I I don't know why we had you on specifically for this, Daniel, except to torture you. <laughs> I feel like this whole setting is basically Daniel's dwarves and aphid milk, whereas like oh, yeah, <laughs> we're pretty much yeah. But I, he's I'm, not enjoying it. So what? How is it bad? Oh God. Yeah. Okay. So Daniel, what what can we do to make this more interesting to you? Because I feel like we've added an anti-capitalist message. We've gone ahead and and made some 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 movements towards hey, this is a way of kids dealing with trauma. I think that's a really interesting premise. So what 
What about you as being so fucking grumpy about this now? I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I'm the what we've the little more thematic messages make it more worthwhile. I what I'm saying is the premise of pocket monsters is something that I just don't care about. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but we've we've gone past that. Oh yeah, we're we're way past that at this yeah, point. We're way past yeah. that. So now I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. So I, I do have other questions here, right? So these these monsters, do kids catch more? Uh, is it a collection aspect in in does that like because I can see one of two ways, right? I can see this going, you have a singular monster that continues to be your friend and then evolves as you grow emotionally. And then on the flip side, I can see you gaining a number of different monsters that also represent your emotional growth. So what do we think is a cooler idea? A singular monster that evolves with you or a panoply of monsters that you collect that represent your own growth and change? There, there has to be more than one, right? Because the, the commercialized kids are buying as many as they can get. I, I see it as being many. Sure, we so but we have to have a maximum number. What is it going to be like four, six, something like that? Oh, I'm thinking there isn't a limit, but but the the more the more you have, the less um, powerful each one is. It's the it's the ninja theory, where <laughs> one ninja is mighty. Yeah, what one ninja is an incredible badass, but an army of ninjas are basically no different than thugs. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's why the kids with the unique one, they may only have one, but it's really powerful. Maybe it has many dimensions to it. Yeah. So th so that's an interesting way we can go about it. Chris, well, what do you think? I, I like to think that uh, the amount that you can have and the how strong they are is also dependent personally on uh, that person's personality, their growth, and their ability to understand like their spectrum of their own emotions and feelings and experiences. It's their own literal emotional capacity. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that sounds cool as fuck. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd only have two. <laughs> wow, you're being real generous. That's <laughs> Thank <funny>. you. <laughs> and the kids who are just like buying them, like their emotional capacity is essentially like non-existent. And so, because what the ones they're getting aren't really representative of their emotions. They're manufactured. Right. Oh man. Yeah, that, that's actually, that's actually a really brilliant way to put it, Daniel. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. All right. All right. All right. Um, so these things are based on demons, correct? Or, or let, let's actually transition to something like that. Let's knock, let's lock down what the monsters are a little bit more because I like the idea that they're based on emotions, but I also think that we want to make sure that they're, you know, that we keep Chris's tenant in mind where they're, you know, demons and celestials of some kind, you know? I mean, you might use the word genius in the in the sense of like um, not genius, the description of intelligence, oh. but genius as in like a, an entity, mm -hmm. which is like a demon. So maybe that's what they are, like a genie. See, I could see it as keeping with my tenant of uh, being a demon or anything is what you're physically bringing into the world and concentrating and binding is a part of your own experiences, emotions. So you're giving physical form. You're, uh, what is that? Uh, you're making a topla? A tulpa. Tulpa. Yeah. Of uh, your experiences. Mm -hmm. And the thought form that you're putting in there is kind of the consciousness of this otherworldly being. You could either have like a Bob from Twin Peaks, 
Or you could have a Jeff the Talking Mongoose from, well, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Uh, but but that's actually kind of interesting that these things that you're bringing back are essentially tulpas, that you're creating them yourself. So these things that you're creating, are they, and they're obviously manifestations of the trauma that you had from your experience, right? But in what way do they manifest? Like, do they manifest as, a, well, actually, you know what? I think that we can bring this into uh, form with the emotional sphere that we were talking about. How you approach your near-death experience is how that thing manifests. So if you are terrified of your near-death experience, then you look at that uh, and the thing that brings that comes back with you is this horrible representation. Like it literally represents your worst fears and, and you know, in, in a, uh, I'd like to think in a chibi Silent Hill sense, you know, where it is, I a, cannot picture those two in my mind. Give me a moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, where it's like it's a representation of your own fear, but in monster form, but like Pokemon monster form, not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, pyramid head or something like that. Or on the flip side, right? Like if for some reason your near death experience brings you closer to joy then that is a representation or, or let's say that is a, a, a dark aspect. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, what, what you came, what, what comes back from that, right? Like, let's say that you were rescued by a parent. And so when you think of that experience, you think of the love that they have for you and that brings joy to you, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the type of thing that I'm thinking of. Your, the way that you cope with that trauma is the way that it represents and manifests in, in your world, in this world. Mm. No, that makes sense. Like, I don't, I, if these things are physical embodiments of a combination of, I don't know, the contents of that psychic realm and your own emotional brushing up against the realm, then likely they would take on a form that represents uh, what you went through mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or your reaction to what you went to, went through. Or hold on, different idea. We can just have them be food dishes and have them fight like giant Burger King ads. What? Maybe that's like the ones that come that they sell. <laughs> oh my God. I was making a fighting food ons joke, but Daniel, that's actually really a good idea. No, 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 no. We're, we're like the fake ones. The manufactured uh -huh. ones are they're like ads. very yeah. clear. They're, they're, no, they're ripoffs of the original. Oh, I see. That's okay. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, where it's like, where where you have the real series that were made with like mm -hmm. love and artistic merit, much like Digimon, Pokemon, etc. You can have the fighting food on equivalent, which is like this is a clear commercial cash grab. I'm thinking of what that might look like, and all I'm picturing is like these are the like McDonald's uh Happy Meal toy equivalent of um of these things, you know. I mean, I can imagine that there's either a uh, someone who used to be a child who had a near-death experience um, and maybe lost their animal and they're behind the company and that's oh. why they're copying all these things i kind of picture it as the plot that was in um shazam okay which shazam the dc okay okay i, I apologize i was thinking of kazam the Sha shaquille o'neal oh vehicle where he's a rapping genie and I was I was very confused, but no, okay now that it makes, makes a lot more sense, sense yeah. now. Yeah, okay, uh, that's yeah. Fair. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Continue on with your point about Shazam. Go ahead. The fact of uh, the way that someone dealt with it, if it was bad and maybe thing either went away or they uh, rebuked it and rejected it, that's what that person did. And they always kind of wish that they hadn't done that. And this is why they produce these falsified ones. Interesting. See, in my in my mind, I had this idea that these this this villain was essentially using trapped versions of the real thing to make cheap copies. I think at the core of this, the in the company, there's some knowledge of the correct way to generate these things, and they're aping that knowledge in some way. Oh, you know what we could do? We can have that cool or, or that that trope where it's like there's the one guy who has the real one. And then there's the the doctor who has the fake one that's manufacturing everything. So the big boss has a real genuine version of this thing. Right. And it's old and really big because he's, he's an adult. So it's really powerful. And it's full of his emotions. Right. And they're complex adult emotions. And obviously that's like the series finale where they have to fight him. And it's like, oh, that's weird, you know. But then, of course, you also have the the commercialized versions of like the powered up form. So maybe there's like a way that these this evil company can control real ones in a certain way. So they give like controlled versions of these monsters to lieutenants or, you know, like agents that are have, have gained loyalty within the company in some way. So they're more powerful, but they're still literally emotionally stunted. So they're not as powerful as they could be. I wonder um, if it's possible for the commercialized ones, if um, if they can evolve and possess real emotions in time. Like, I, I can imagine there being a fun sub story where it's like, I'm just a crappy copy. But then he eventually learns how to become his own thing. Oh, that's interesting. See that. See, Daniel, I'm glad that we're finally getting you in on this idea. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you putting forth effort. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so so what does that look like? I mean, like, what is a cheap copy coming to learn authenticity come from? Like, does it come from rebellion from it's like, I might just be a cheap copy, but I can still choose, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah, there's like a lot of different angles, different kind of moral ways you can get into that. Like you could have a rebellion angle, you could have a, um, you know, uh, missing out or wanting to belong angle you could have a like everyone has something to contribute kind of message no matter what they are yeah all right this this sounds this sounds really fun so far now i had a i had a specific idea in mind here um where normally we create the anchor and i still want to do that but i also in addition to that want to create a monster uh live as we consider it so how do y'all feel about that sure i'm gonna roll a die and that will determine which emotional spectrum we're going to be starting with because you know we we had this uh, or, or rather we've we've just dis we've discovered through playing that these monsters are now represented by emotional states so let's figure out what the emotional state is Okay, so this one's actually pretty easy. Uh, it's going to be fear-based. Mm. So uh, we now have a kid who is afraid and, and continues to be afraid of their near-death experience. How does that monster manifest and what does it look like? Mm. 
So I'm thinking that what we could probably do is like, I, I, I'm thinking of like a trauma or perhaps. Yeah, maybe that's the question to answer first. How was the, it generated? See, that's what I was thinking. I, I think that we could probably do like a near drowning or something like that. Oh, yeah, I like that. That way we can have a continued phobia of water and then we can have their monster be water looking or water based in some way. Yeah, so if it's water, that gives us something to work with. So although so we want to avoid, except if it's water, we want to avoid um, being cliche. So we don't want like a fish creature or a yes, mermaid. We want something exactly. that's suggestive of water, but isn't literally water. Exactly. What if you put the shroud over it kind of being like a murky bed of water, but it's also like the Grim Reaper shroud, kind of like that hood over it and it's water with the leaves and, and such in it. Well, well, I like I like the concept that you've kind of got going on here where it's like maybe we can even go a step further and maybe it is the type of near drowning where they get their legs caught in some tangle weeds or something like that where they're out in a lake. And that way you can have, you know, like a um, a kelp draped Grim Reaper type monster of some kind, you know. And when you when you say shroud, that makes me think of not being able to see or darkness. Mm -hmm. um and possibly when you're drowning it's dark and you don't know what's happening so maybe this maybe this creature has an affect of like pitch blackness you know to it and that's the shroud mm -hmm. um like also instead of anything skeletal or uh like hard forming of that i picture just a, a face that it looks similar to like a jellyfish's dome because uh, jellyfish always freak me out about the ocean let's also remember that this is this thing has to be the kid's friend as well and help them get through this emotional trauma. And the jellyfish is pink. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that Daniel had where it's like this pitch black. So, so hold on. I, I've, I've kind of got this weird amalgamation of ideas here. Why don't we have it be a jellyfish that is translucent that so it can look like a body of water essentially in and of itself but then it can go pitch black and maybe part of its, you know, uh, move set is that it's a stealth based character of some kind, right? Where it is, it's really good at like, suddenly you can't see it anymore or something like that. What do you, what do you guys think about that idea? Could it have stars inside of it? Sure. I, I think that'd be kind of cool. And then, um, so we, we have like a jellyfish looking thing. And then of course, the uh, the tentacles that form down, they might they're they're reminiscent, you know, they're symbolic of the kelp that the this kid got tangled up in and nearly drowned from, but at the same time they're also like his appendages, so they're like arms and and feet essentially, right? They hug. Of course they hug, but they're also like badass fighting monsters, so <laughs> they do more than just hug. I think you could also throw in something that would bring a bit of a I don't know levity to it kind of like how there's that really sad looking uh ghost pokemon that's the sandcastle I love those by the way those are those are some of my favorite from that generation actually but sandcastles are you know happy go lucky so what's something about either the ocean or lakes or going there that you can throw in there that's like this is also has the glimmer of this is what's nice at at the water I was thinking sand, but you know, everyone hates sand. It's 
course. Oh, it gets everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the if it has stars and the reflection of the sky in its uh, body, perhaps um, one of the things the kid liked when he was on the, the, the ocean waters was looking up at the sky with his parent and when the disaster happened, like that's one of the things he remembers. Oh, that's good. That's good and creepy. Oh, and with the star field and everything, I could see that also having the monster display its own emotions. Uh, yeah. Oh, it changes color. That's neat. Or, or even like summer night sky fireworks kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like when it's happy, it'll have different things inside of it. And it will brighten up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. For the absolute chibi cherry on top, you know what I was also thinking? Uh, it could also have um a jaunty hat that is actually a a like life preserver but not a life preserver but like an, an inflatable like animal like a tube animal oh like a little like a little a sea monster kind of inflatable with a certain it's a tube but it's got a little head exactly yeah. exactly right yeah a floaty so oh like, i know exactly which uh -huh. one you're ex yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck you is so it like tips the hat and oh stuff it, like it that. throws also, life preservers at enemies and that that like like he puts the the, the whole of life preserver around them so they can't move oh that's perfect <laughs> yes absolutely oh man okay this has worked out remarkably well like i didn't think that we'd be able to make it as cute as it is but damn we we really made it get there but i also picture like when it talks oh actually that's an important thing uh do they talk is it telepathy or uh is it just where they don't speak and they just say their name kind of like pokemon or something oh god please not the last one yeah i always prefer when they're able to have like a well and not only that but these these things are supposed to be like emotional shepherds to these kids so i i would almost have to imagine that these things are able to talk to them and and work through mm. whatever these kids are feeling right yeah i would agree but it's, there's somewhat of a an emotional bond that is even with a creature that can't talk. I think that the, uh, the norm should be that the commercialized versions can't really talk to suggest that there's no connection, but those who have, you know, like these, these specialized ones, they can talk to them and that that's an additional level of special to them, you know? The commercialized ones only have certain phrases they've been programmed with to say. Like, oh, like a fucking voice. pull string. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Crunchwrap Supremes are great. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that they're also like advertisements is also fucking. Oh, that's good. That's real good. Yeah. Okay. And that's the one that was trying to learn to be a unique. Like it learns to say other things over time. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like um, before it got terrible, actually. Uh, what's that? fucking oh in westworld where you see the robot kill the fly for the first time and you realize that she's learning and you're like oh shit you know it's like that but less horrifying you know we've created a monster literally and now we have to create the anchor for this thing so let's go ahead i'm gonna pull up a thing that i need for that and then we're gonna go from there Daniel, I feel your enthusiasm cre increasing as we continue out, as we continue through. I'm just this, looking by at the way. Silent I'm Hill chibi stuff. Why did you do this? <laughs> That's a thing. Of course, it's a thing. If, if you look hard enough, everything's a thing. Yeah. Oh God. All right. So the subject of this is going to be between an item, a monster, a place, and historical figure, an event, or a cataclysm. 
So this anchor will be based in one of those things. We're going to have, it's going to play a major part in the setting that we've established thus far. So let's see what happens. It's an item. So this item has a major role to play within this world. And the theme that we're going to be rolling with, with this item is going to be metamorphosis. Very appropriate. Okay. Mm. We have our kids with monsters world. We have an item and the theme surrounding that item is metamorphosis. So what kind of item is this? And, and why is it, why does it say metamorphosis as a major theme? Is it from the mundane realm or the psychic realm? Good question. Good question. It could be something that you actually take with you from the psychic realm, and that's what makes it so special because you're just like, oh shit, I this is physically with me. Oh, okay. So it's like you bring it from the psychic realm to the physical realm. Is it a procedure you do, or is it a one-time thing? What do you mean by procedure? Like, so is this something I can take from the psychic realm and use, and it goes back, or is it something I've recovered and now I now have it? I would like to think that it's permanently with you. I agree. Yeah. Right. And is it unique or is it uh, something that anyone can do? I, I'd probably like to keep it to the people who have near-death experiences. So can they, can any of them do this or is there one of them has this? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe, maybe it's part of an emotional journey. Like maybe after a couple of arcs within this series, someone comes back after an incredibly emotionally trying thing happens to them and they come back with this thing and they're like, everyone's like, what is that? You know? And it's like a mystery for a long time. Okay. So it's unique. Unique to the individual. Yes. Does this one person have it? So they're all focusing on the fact that this person has it. Uh, until other people start to get it. Yes. Yeah. It's like an ultimate form. And they're okay. like, Oh my God, he did that. Can I do that? Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking of like, these kids having a big thing that happens, and then one of them comes back, and they're holding like a black crown for some reason. And the mystery for the next season is what does this black crown do? And how does it happen? You know, and then of course, once they all understand that, then the rest of the group gets their unique item a little bit faster. And it's making me think um, when you say that, but also, um, when we're talking about mystery, making me think of Clone Luke from um, the second Zelda game, the only one I ever played, <laughs> where maybe like this crown was on like a version of themselves in the psychic realm. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's a question of like, what is this doppelganger of themselves? I don't want to make it scary, but this copy in the psychic realm, and they took the crown off their head, maybe. Well, now you're bringing up this idea that each of us has, oh yeah, no, we can, we, we can actually directly, um, we can actually directly correlate this to persona, right? Where everyone has something that is essentially their deepest, darkest fear or a part of themselves that they have trouble like reconciling, right? Where it's like some, in, in persona, for example, some people hide their resentment towards their friends or some people are afraid of their own sexuality or something like that. I imagine that we can probably take a PG version of that that can also help represent their growth and maturity into 
young adulthood. Yeah, I mean, maybe by if you take the crown with you, and that's the first step. But by being able to wear the crown, you integrate this dark side version of yourself, and now you're stronger. But I don't know what that version of yourself is. Maybe it's not a dark side version, but this other version. Maybe it's not fearing the bad aspects of yourself. Oh, the really good aspects of you. Like what you could be. No, no, no. It's just coming to terms. It's just like, I'm not a perfect person. Yeah. Well, I, I want to hear what Daniel had in mind, where it's like the extra good parts, because that sounded really interesting, too. Well, I was worried about going too dark. So maybe it's like confronting a, ver a best version of yourself or a better version of yourself. And so being afraid that you can't measure up to it. And so by wearing, learning to wear the crown, you learn to be that better version of yourself until you level up. That works for both. It's accepting of yourself and also like realizing that your ideal self is either a, a obtainable or non-obtainable. Unobtainable, if you will. Mm -hmm. Or different, you know. I mean, I mean, realistically, you can also you can also see it as like a little kid's mentality of what they think they want to be or do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, how would you get rid of your trauma? Well, I would just do this. Right. And confronting what that reality might look like or what that aspect might look like is an interesting way to approach that as well. And I bet the creatures, the unique ones were companions of that self i'm guessing that they came out of the psychic realm i think th i think that um those i think the monsters the demons oh by the way can we just uh call them demons with a-e-m-o-n-s to make it easier yeah daemons yeah, yeah so we can we can just call them daemons like mm -hmm. wholesale but they have subcategories and stuff like that right Okay, so these daemons, right? They are representations of like you trying to grow, whereas these other things represent you trying not to grow. They are the exact opposite of these things. So there is a massive conflict between the two of them. However, the person behind these things is really it, it's kind of like that dumb saying where like there's two wolves inside of you and depends on which one you feed that wins that's kind of the idea that i had in mind you know where it's like which one you decide to befriend and become closer with is the one that you're going to become right and it's funny that you say well we chose the word daemon because um that is a being that's neither it's somewhere between god and human it's not quite a evil or good you know supernatural so so this item do we want to make it the black crown or do we want to have it be personalized to each individual personalized who maybe the first it? one is a crown yeah and it gets personalized after that yeah okay all right all right that makes sense cool i think we're at the point where we've reached a good stopping point for this setting uh i think that's really interesting and oh, oh, oh can i add one thing yes the first one was a crown because it was a little girl who thought that the best version of herself was Aww, to be a princess. A yeah, that's, there you go. That's adorable. Yeah, that's adorable. <laughs> that's great. Actually, we can probably make princess like a villain or one of the, like she's first arc villain who then becomes one of the main oh. characters. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, we're basically recreating Digimon season two, which I'm also totally fine with she had to she first she wanted to rule over everything but she learned that she had to rule over herself first oh that's good or, or actually maybe that's what she learns through interacting with the protagonist exactly yeah all right i think it's time where we roll in the twist and 
uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what we get with this one. So we're going to roll the twist. It's going to be a cliffhanger and we will reconcile with that next episode. So the twist that we're going to be rolling with is. Hopefully a grimdark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one's interesting. I'm not sure if we should re-roll it. Um, it's it, the, the, the twist is there really are monsters under the bed. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's really interesting with this mm -hmm. particular setting that we're rolling with here. Yeah, that um, is kind of grimdark. It is a little bit grimdark. But, I, mean, but, but I think we can, it's a challenge to make it work with a setting while not being grimdark. I have every confidence in us that we can do it. No mm -hmm. problem. All right, that'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that this episode was brought to us by our patron Jay. And if you want us to build your world, you can always email us over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Send us a tweet over on the Twitter at Let's World Build. Or you can join our Discord and chat with us pretty much daily about world building stuff. Or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. And you get cool stuff like, you know, with what Jay is doing here. He gets basically front of the line access to, for us to build your world. So if you want to do that, among other really cool stuff that we offer over on Patreon, go ahead and check us out. That'll do it for this week on World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together. Until next week. Mm -hmm.